Hey everyone and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+, where everyone has a voice. I am Annie McKinnon, your authentic coach, therapist, speaker, writer and podcaster. And if you'd like to get to know me a bit better, download the KS Media Group app from your app store and look at the comments below where you'll find instructions on how to find all my media and how to join my live every Wednesday at 6pm UK time. Thank you all for listening. Today I'd like to introduce Saul Expression. Saul is a holistic health coach, a hip-hop artist, visual artist, podcaster and passionate creator of spaces for people to express themselves, learn and grow. He has over five years of experience as a coach, 15 years experience as a performing artist and has facilitated spiritual and physical health breakthroughs for many people on his journey. You can find his podcast entitled The Expression of Love Podcast, Exploring Expressions of Love Through the Lens of Curiosity on YouTube. You can find the link in the description below or listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So welcome, Saul. Hey, thank you so much. I'm super glad to be here. I really appreciate you taking the time out. You're a really busy schedule. I know, as I said earlier, you're podcasting, you're coaching, you've got a whole load of stuff going on there. So I really appreciate the time. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question and ask all my guests. Uh, so here we go. Let's jump in. If I were to give you a superpower right now, what would you want that to be and why? So this answer has always been, this this question has always been answered the same by me ever since I was probably 11, 12 years old when I was like, you know what, I would want that one. And I'm a millennial, so a lot more superhero movies in my generation than possibly in yours, or at least, you know very good special effects in our superhero movies. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you there. There wasn't as much as that in the prehistoric era when I was growing up, you know. So one of my favorite movies was The Matrix. Actually, the whole trilogy. At the very end of the first Matrix movie, Neo, he's on the phone and he's like, I'm going to show these people something you don't want them to see. And what he does is he takes flight. And then, you know, second movie and third movie, he's flying all over the place. But he takes flight. And that is, it, it, in my eyes, I'm a very philosophical thinker. It's a metaphor for freedom. Because just to, just to give a little more context to this whole thought, he's able to see the code now, right? He's able to see through the, the wool that was previously pulled over his eyes. And he can see it. Even the other people that are quote unquote free can't see the code, not like him, right? Well, that's implied. And so, I mean, they can see it on computer screens in the real world, but they can't see it when they're in the matrix. They just see buildings and people and grass and whatnot. So, so he, him being unique and being the, you know, the only one that has come to this level of freedom is now able to fly at the end of the movie. And so since like since then and since even a little bit before then, I've always wanted the ability to fly. And and like looking into people that can do astral projection and they say that they can like fly off of their, you know, out of their window and go explore 
around the world and explore outer space because they can like leave their body after you know some sleep paralysis they've learned this uh, this cool ability to leave their body and some people report that they can tell other people what they were doing when they were astral projecting it's like true you know that's yeah i want to fly so <laughs> so when i pray for a superpower i'm praying for that <laughs> i can totally get that so because the feeling of being able just to fly out that window and go wherever you want and experience you know everything that you want is just sounds amazing one of the things that you talk about is being really curious yes yeah absolutely. so i'm really curious what was it about my advert that drew you to come onto this show well i am currently experiencing a shift in my belief systems and political views and by political what i really mean is what i think good influence is or may be right so I'm, I'm experiencing a shift, a, a, a rearranging and a rewording and a rebuilding my own beliefs. And I'm starting to see some code. <laughs> I'm curious now, are yeah. those beliefs, are that change in belief, is that because the original belief wasn't actually yours? It was someone else's that had given that belief to you? Very good question. So as it's unfolding and, and blooming in its own time, I'm discovering which parts were mine and which parts were not. Because, you know, I say I'm experiencing a change in my beliefs. That doesn't mean absolutely everything is going from one extreme to the next. And that, you know, sometimes it's hard to be able to say things in, in shorthand and not sound like something is going from one extreme to the next. But it's like an unfolding is happening where some things are shifting to be more solidified and other things are shifting to, to, to change and to be either, again, either their opposite or somewhere more in the middle. And a lot of things are moving to a category I'll put up here, which is just, I don't know a damn thing. <laughs> I have no idea. And I love that you're going through that journey of sort of unfolding what beliefs are yours and what beliefs have been someone else's, because I personally know that it can be a really difficult journey as you start to unpack all that and think, oh my, I don't believe that. That was someone else that really uh, ingrained that in me. So I love that. And there's an element to it that you also have to come to grips with the fact that there has to be some instilling of values from your environment, right? Some instilling of beliefs from your environment because beliefs and values and even the method of which you go go to execute your plans of to live your life all of that helps you make sense of your existential question why am i here right everybody experiences why am i here this is a a part of be, the probably the biggest part of being human besides like having children i guess which you know that's debatable but that's also a huge part but the probably the biggest part of being human at all is why am i here because, I mean, you, you, you look out and you, you're on a rock floating through space at incredible speeds, going nowhere. <laughs> what, what, what are we doing, you know? <laughs> and a tiny, tiny rock at that. Right. What, within a relatively small solar system, within a relatively small galaxy. What are we doing? What are we doing here? 
it's a huge question and I'm sure listeners have asked themselves that. I know I certainly have. What's your answer to that? Mm. Why are you here? How does that fit in, I guess, to our conversation in the LGBTQ plus community? Okay, so I want to say why we are here, then I want to say why I am here, uh, if that's if that's fair. Okay, so and preface it with, I really don't know, but this is what I've come to uh, so far. And this will most likely should, this should change over time. We are here to discover God, some some form of God, spirit, source, creator, universal truth, reality beyond the concept of what's real and unreal, like beyond the sort of duality of real or unreal, because that's opinion. We are here to discover actual reality or non-dual reality, if you will. And that comes with certain prerequisite realizations that, that just that sort of naturally unfold, really, I would argue, in everyone's life that is that comes to the conclusion that we're here for this same for this reason that I just gave to discover truth. And some of those are the fact that faith and power are only here in relation to pain and suffering, that pain and suffering are actually not a bad thing, that the unknown is more real than the known. And as a matter of fact, reality is not words anyway. And so really what is known at the end of the day, besides the holy idea that I am, right? I am is is known that that can be known because you can't deny that nobody you would have to be here to say I am not here so you know <laughs> you can't deny I am but besides that what really is known you know and that's not philosophical either that that's plain and simple so or I mean that in the plain and simple way so we are here for that to discover reality and there are some other discoveries that come with that realization as like prerequisites. Now, why am I here? I am here to mold myself into the example of what I want to be or as close as I can get to it so that I can create a positive influence on those around me. And I don't believe that that is what everybody is here to do because I I do genuinely believe and not in a cynical way that some people are here to play the bad guy that some people are here to do evil and to be not remorseful and to be the example of the other side, you could say, of emotion and um, understanding, but I guess like non-understanding, right? So so I think I am here, though, to be a vessel for a good example of interaction and, 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 to, and, to, and to pass that on to my, to my future offspring. I don't have children now, but to, to do that because I do really want to be a dad and I am married, so it's coming soon. Now, how do these things relate to the top, the, the subject of all things LGBTQIA, B, C, D, E, F, G? Well, even just looking at the acronym expansiveness um, or the, the trend of its expansiveness that some say is ancient and some say is very new. And I think the the execution of it is very new, although the concept of multiple forms of self-expression is, is obviously ancient. So the way that that thing is expanding, not to say that thing to be insensitive, but just to have short words, the way that it's expanding is it makes you curious. It's like, okay, what really is, 
is it really only about self-expression or is there something else at play? And if there is, what could the something else be? Well, I think that self-expression is rooted in conclusions of what the self is. And when you conclude what the self is, you limit yourself. Does that make sense? When you when I when I tell you that God is a he and he is in the sky and he is judging you, doesn't that kind of put God in a box? You know? Okay, so what we're getting into talk about is labeling ourselves and from where you're seeing it is putting in a box as the acronym gets longer, people start identifying with how they feel, but at some level you're thinking that maybe they're putting themselves in a box. Yes. It, well, hmm. Yes, in general. But then there's a lot of arguments against that. And so I can, if I can a little bit freely talk, uh, because uh, yeah, they're just, it's, my mind is firing. So yes, we are coming to conclusions about, uh, there's a lot of language, who I really am, my authentic self, stuff like that. And it, it's true. It's very, very true. The idea, I am not my body. And um, I'm sort of beyond just this physical existence, just my skin color, just my uh, my breasts and my penis, for instance. I'm beyond these things. Okay, cool. But then what is happening, which is a little, which makes me curious, is right after saying I am not my body, people are going to really hyper-focus on their body. And they say, first of all, I'm going to wear this mask. I'm going to wear this sort of attire or this costume that is fully a, a physical expression of what they say is is inside but it has but but when you ask them questions about it all they answer is about outside things about like stereotypically female or stereotypically male things which are only seen on the surface so it's it's a it's a weird it, it, it's hard to to see this this thing and not say i think there's a disconnect somewhere because there would be less if it was really about i am not my body i am not this and that there would be less of a need to put it out there, to project what you're trying to express, then there seems to be. Am I making sense? Because I'm trying to be sensitive to people's feelings and explain my point. Absolutely, and I respect that. And thinking as you're talking, this expression has come from, historically, the culture around, I guess, suppression, to not be your authentic self. And not be, I mean, in some countries, one of my guests was talking about, you know, there's still the death penalty for someone who, say, for example, identifies as gay. So I'm wondering, you know, historically, has that led to this feeling that people in the community really need to voice and express who mm -hmm. they are to be seen and to be heard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the death, the death penalty or... Or even like the mob mentality that goes towards uh, members of the, especially I'll say the LGB community is is wrong. And I think that human beings are collectively, um, especially here in the West, have been for the last, I don't know, 200 or so years, trying to bring awareness to this fact that human beings have this tendency to, to other group identities and in the othering of them, you know, try to kill them off. And that's wrong. And to stop that behavior. And I think that that, that behavior 
has gone on so long that now there's a springboard effect manifesting in the tea community where there is suddenly a massive confusion, a, a massive conflating of stereotype versus authentic self versus fluidity of self, which is completely new and impossible to measure, right? And I think these things are, are coinciding because of some of that oppression and suppression and the bad behavior. But here's the thing though, Annie, human beings biologically are animals. And time-wise, if we go by the, the Big Bang sort of story, human beings are still infants. We're still babies as a collective history of Earth, you could say, or our solar system. Human beings are relatively very, very, very young, like infant in age. And when you look at slightly similar yet older species, like chimpanzees, for example, chimpanzees do almost everything we do. They go to war. They, some of them ex, uh, explore different sexual appetites. Some of them explore very much a rape and pillage period of their lives and then stop later. They gang up on each other sometimes and, and they also pick leaders and they establish hierarchies. And all of these things that human beings do, the only thing they don't do is build buildings and work on computers, right? <laughs> Pretty much it. And so... If you're a born chimpanzee and, and you don't adhere to the culture, you may be ripped apart. And so this behavior of human beings to target and other um, things that we don't understand is not demonic, it's animal, right? And it's, not, and, and it's more than chimpanzee for those to say, well, you're just singling out chimpanzee. No, it's, it's in more animal kingdoms than just chimp. They, they're just really similar in terms of body and brain. So... So I'm using them, but, but no, it's, it's animal to do that. And so understanding that and teaching our children that the world is not necessarily this super kumbaya, everybody's happy and everybody is joyful all of the time and peaceful all of the time place. And that we are learning as we go as a human family that can sort of put into perspective why there are these bad behaviors that we should work to outgrow and should put into perspective why the the great leaders of the past were always talking unity we're always talking something that had to do with coming together across languages across cultures across sexual preferences and all of that a unification of the human family getting past concepts like race class and and, and the like so um not getting rid of but getting past them because race class and uh, and uh, and the like, they can be useful to a point. They can be useful for communication purposes to a point. They can be useful for historical record keeping to a point. But then when it comes to interacting with an individual, we should be able to start putting those things aside and just be new and be fresh with the individual, in my opinion. And get to know the person and I, I think that this is a huge theme that runs through the episodes that I've done so far is one, people just want to fit in, they don't want to be rejected, they just want to go out there and be the real authentic self without judgment. As, as human beings we want that connection 
And sometimes I think, am I too much of a, a realist? It would just be great to just go out there and meet someone and just get to know them as a person without, with, and vice versa, without any judgment at all. Getting to know and letting all the other stuff just be on the side and have that connection with another human being. Right. When we spotlight some of the issues, what we find is people are too quick to say, this is who I am. And so they live, they start to live their life and learn to live their life within parameters of a certain label. And that leads to unnecessary and preventable and otherwise preventable conflict and warfare and othering and murder and rape and the whole nine. You think by labeling oneself, if you like, is what I'm hearing, is that self-limiting it's arrogant if i if i say if if i put too much emphasis on the fact that i'm a male that i'm black that i'm college educated then if it's too much again useful to a point right but if i put too much emphasis and i take those labels way too seriously and try to navigate my life within the parameters of those labels then i'm definitely going to run into people who are not, first of all, who don't fall into the same labels because the world is full of diversity, and then also who do not agree with them. And I, and since I'm taking them too seriously, I won't be able to meet one-to-one with a fresh mind and a fresh heart with the person who disagrees and come to common ground. Instead, I will go to war with this person. So it sounds like, you know, in our world of human beings, there's various groups if you like, not just LGBTQ+, but various groups that are have a real hard belief in something that is maybe limiting them to go out and experience, experience the other groups in society. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. And then, and, and we can look at specifics, right? Mm-hmm. The first, the first thing that I, I started to, this was years ago, but I started to have a problem with, I, I worked in schools for about seven years. I was a floating substitute in both Delaware, where I'm from, and Texas, where I am now in the United States. And as a floating substitute, I started to see more and more of uh, the pride flags in classrooms, in first grade classrooms, like in very young, and then all throughout um, the class. And I have hopefully I've conveyed so far, I don't have any problem with or fear of people that are attracted to the same sex by any means at all. But the only thing that a pride flag indicates is who you go to, who you would like to go to bed with. That's it. There's no other significance to quote unquote pride. So anyway, so, so this symbol I started to see in younger and younger classrooms and us, and I started to ask about it. And since they take since since some people take their labels too seriously, they hear a question and they want to go go to war with me. Now I wasn't attacked with physical violence, but a lot of defensiveness and a lot of almost like you're not allowed to ask any questions whatsoever if it comes up across if it comes up against this belief system or this label. And then you try to ask administrators about it and. Well, I mean, now there's even legislation like they're, they're called protected, protected communities, I think, protected communities or protected something classes, right? Something like that. They're protected. 
by law. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, hmm, that's a little weird. I know that there was a, what was and is, uh, I won't be insensitive, there was and is othering when it comes to, to gay and lesbian and, and bisexual people. But protected class under law doesn't seem to, it's, you're talking about sexual preference. It's not, you're not a talking about an endangered species or some sort of, it doesn't make sense to me, the, the, law, the law part of it. It doesn't make sense to me. And when we get, when we look at the T community, that is just getting out of hand. In my opinion, again, everything in my opinion and everything with the preface of, I don't really know, I'm not God, I'm not the intelligence of the universe, but it is, it's, it's getting out of hand in my opinion. I would like to hear more about that, but I'd like to take you back to the, the, the sort of teaching in schools. And I know certainly in the UK, there was a piece of legislation came out called Section 28. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that basically um, banned teachers in schools talking about same-sex couples. Okay. So then through that, there then became the de demonstrations and protests to be saying, well, this is my sexual preference. Why can that not be talked about in school? to then prevent younger children thinking there's something wrong with them and even, you know, and at the other end of the scale, committing suicide because they think they're not normal. In right. Commas. Well, if we slow, we, I mean, whoever, right? If we slow down a little bit and we look at that, there's a disconnect because someone is saying, well, that's my sexual preference. And, and then they immediately say, if it's not taught, then kids that share this sexual preference will think that something is wrong with them. And it's like, why are kids thinking of sexual preference? Can we slow yeah. down and stop sexualizing children, maybe by accident or by mistake, stop doing that and just say, well, what, what is coming about that we are just assuming that kids are taking their sexual preference very seriously at these ages in the yeah. first place? And, and then... Is there really something wrong with allowing the parents to parent their children or to have certain conversations, at least, let's say, before 11th grade, right, where you start to see girls become pregnant and stuff like that, um, at least before somewhere, somewhere around there and, and whatnot, why are we assuming that just not teaching about it, just not having it included, means we're teaching that it's bad? Why are we making that connection? Like, are we actually saying that this is bad by not having it embedded in the curriculum? It is much more normal or uh, much, much more normal and biologically natural to end up a heterosexual adult, to wind up not by trying to a heterosexual adult, that there's no denying that this is not just human, this is all animals pretty much across the world. It's much more of them come together with their sexual opposite and make offspring the normal natural way. So why is it that not embedding it in, in curriculum means that we're teaching that it's wrong or it's bad or something like that? And of course, there's the religious aspect that some, some preachers and some religious doctrines says that it's bad. But we don't. We're not. We're not most of the time teaching religious doctrine, except for from a historical standpoint. Um, usually within the confines of talking about who went to war with who, 
okay, in the classroom. We're not talking about, we're not reading chapters of the Bible in the classroom. We're, we're not doing that. So, so, so how, you know, where are these connections coming from? We're not having it in the curriculum means we're saying it's bad or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more about when we're growing up as children, and certainly this relates to myself. If I'm going along to a class where sex education is being taught, then what the community is saying is then yeah, you're being taught about a heterosexual relationship, so why not a same sex relationship, so that that's included in the bracket of normal. Mm-hmm. Well, because. We teach the rule, not the exception when it comes to public school. And if you grow up with two mommies or two daddies, then they're going to have that conversation with you when you come with questions. And there's more harm done when you try to conduct the behavior of your citizens in a way that prioritizes the comfort of the minority over the reality of the majority. There's more harm done when that happens. Um, and that's that's again that's not a, that's not my opinion. That's there's evidence for this across history. Mm. So yeah. when when the society is like we're gonna we're gonna prioritize the comfort of the few over the sort of normality of of the of the many, bad things happen. But I don't think it's about prioritizing the minority. I think it's we we spoke about this at the beginning about that inclusion and belonging. Mm-hmm. And all relationships being spoke about, mm-hmm. all options, so that if there are kids in the class that are thinking, well, you know, I'd like to have a relationship with a woman or a man, then they're being taught that that's, that's out there, that's an option for you, rather mm-hmm. than feeling like I did as a young girl, there's something wrong with me, but I'm attracted to females. But everything, you know, we spoke about beliefs and we spoke about values. Mm-hmm. All everyone else's belief around me was that, Annie, you know, you will grow up, you will get engaged to a man, you will marry mm-hmm. a man, and you will have children with a man. Mm-hmm. No talk of anything else. I mean, I, I hadn't even heard the words lesbian and gay back then before the lesbian and gay community mm-hmm. came in. But if I had been that young girl sitting in the class, being aware just being aware that ha- being able to have an, a, a relationship like with a woman was a possibility, then the amount of heartache that I could have stopped in my life and mm-hmm. just goes without saying, you know, I got married. I, I, I love that you, I'm sorry, it, I'm sorry to cut in, but I love that you just brought up the heartache aspect because that that's very real and that's very relevant to, to my premise here. It's normal to feel like your problems are unique to you. It's normal for me to feel like my depression is worse than everybody else's and is unique to me. And I'm a survivor of suicidal depression. I was very close to, I'm in Texas, so I'm a gun owner, and uh, it wouldn't have taken a second attempt. I was very close to to, to game over. Okay, thank you um, for that, Saul. I appreciate that. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I share it because I, I consider myself someone who beat it. I, I, it, it will not come back, even if the feeling of heaviness and, and all of the, the sort of hormonal, you know, the, the chemical, the chemistry goes back there, the need for it to be done or it to be attempted will never come back. I, I beat it in that aspect. And I know I did intuitively. But the heartache aspect of, you know, well, I experienced heartache because 
they didn't make avail make make it known to me that there were options out there that fit how I feel inside is relevant because it's a bit of it's a bit of a jump in this way and and I'll and I'm going to try to be I really do try to be as sensitive and and as inclusive because I don't live the life the life of a gay person. I don't live the life of of a trans person. So I can't cross certain lines because I, I don't know, right? Just like sure. I don't live the life of a white person. So it's it's relevant in this way. It, it's a bit of a jump in this way. Your story of my life, right? I start I started out here, I had these experiences, and then I sort of grew into puberty and had these experiences, and then I sort of grew into young adulthood and had these experiences which shaped the rest of my almost the rest of my life until I get into like really old age where I start to have completely different experiences again. What happens in your life story is always, no matter who you are, God willing, you live long enough for it to happen. If you do live long enough, no matter who you are, is going to lead to pain and suffering. And pain and suffering is a good thing. Why? Because it gives meaning to crossing the finish line. If you don't work really hard and you get first place, it doesn't feel like anything happened. If you work really hard and you lose 10 times and then on your last time you get third place, you are on top of the world. Why? Because the pain and the suffering gave meaning to getting across that line. And so when it comes to the idea which is heavily pushed in mainstream media and in schools and in colleges, these co university these days, that because due to these specific, if, if you feel pain and suffering because of these specific things, then that means society has to fix a problem. Then that's a bit of a jump from you are going to experience pain and suffering in some way, somehow, and there are going to be a lot of questions that nobody but you is going to know the answer to. And so when I say it's a bit of a jump, I mean, we're expecting people who don't experience what gay and lesbian people experience to start teaching about gay and lesbian experience. And I'm sure if there is a, a gay or lesbian or bisexual or whatever, you know, any of the labels, uh, we'll say queer, right? Because that kind of kind of blankets. Uh, if there's a queer teacher in the classroom and they get asked something, then I'm sure there's a way to answer the question on an individual teacher to individual student in, in, in that way that's appropriate where they answer the questions as they come and maybe you know some sort of mentorship, how to navigate this and that, what they figured out, and they will get some answers. But pain and suffering will not be excluded from their experience. And I think it's important we stop teaching kids that pain and suffering are bad and that you shouldn't have to experience pain and suffering. No, to a certain degree you should because there's lessons in it that you won't get without it. You will not get the lessons, the most important lessons of life, excuse me for generalizing, without pain and suffering. So so that's what I mean. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a jump. I think there's there's a lot of rhetoric about you know what what I should experience and what I should be allowed to do and how people are are not allowing me to be who I really am and all of this all of this talk ignores the fact that that doesn't mean you experience more pain than me as as a heterosexual whatever experience I, right I, I, I totally hear what you're saying that we all like I said I think in my my last podcast that everyone has a coming out story something that's 
that's really tough for them, whether that's in the community or not, that we all have things where we've had that pain and suffering and are trying our best to come through it and come out the other side, live our life feeling happy, content and fulfilled. That I think is true of every single human being. And I'm curious, you spoke right at the very beginning that you would love to have children. And I'm curious as to these thoughts that are going mm-hmm. through your head, is that because you're thinking about what you want for your children? Hmm. Some of them are what I want for society as a, yeah. as a whole. And what I think could lead to, because I, I haven't said, you know, just to clarify, not that you're accusing me of saying stuff, but just to clarify for the audience, I haven't said such and such should be avoided at all costs or, or you know, this type of lesson or this type of, la- um, this talking points just should, should never reach a, ch- a child's ear or something like that. I haven't said that because there's a way to go about any conversation because reality is not based in words. So, or not, it's not words at all. Words are a way of exploring reality, but the reality itself is never words. So I, I don't think that you have to shield children from from things the in the in the in the absolute kind of way. What I do think is that for the for the last maybe fifty or so years, and and th- you know this is this is limited research. I'm 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 looking more into it every day. But for the last, well, I'll limit it to 50, 50 60 years or so. There has been a, a wave of too much group identity politic, too much paying attention to and taking seriously the labels that other people have put on me and not enough ex- exploration of potential and and sort of going through life more freely and, and without taking things too seriously. So in, in terms of what I want for my own children, I want them to first, you know, come to certain conclusions at the right time. And, and that's, an, that's an intuitive thing. It's not about certain age or certain this because people's brains are different and DNA and all of that plays a part and soul, right, the, the, the non-tangible stuff, all of that plays a part. But I, I, I also would, would encourage parents to do more parenting, to not, to not give your, your child completely up to the school system and to the governing body, but to, do, to, do more, to be more involved in shaping how they, you know, how they learn how to think, not necessarily always what they think. Some of that has to be included because they have to make sense of the world, but mostly how they learn to think, right? Thinking about their thinking, thinking about their own thinking. In your world, what would that look like? Other parents being involved, what would that look like? I can answer that in, in, in some things that I've seen mm-hmm. okay. by way of exploring some things that I've seen. I've been in, in, in places where there's extreme poverty and kids come home from school, some of them as young as in third grade and they already have a house key. So they're, they're walking home in an unsafe environment. They come in, mom is home, most likely dad is not, and she's probably on some sort of welfare, works part-time, but receives money from the government. They sit their kid in front of a television, throw him a Capri Sun and tell him to shut up and don't bother me. That is a big problem. Not only is fatherlessness a huge problem, but just the non, the, the, the relying too much on, again, the governing body and the and the public school system or the charter school system, which is, it's still public schools, is a big problem. And it, when there are social movements that seem good on the surface, but have long-term consequences, 
that come about if you're not involved in your child's ability to think and developing your child's ability to think about their own thinking then they become susceptible it's like that old saying if you stand for nothing you'll fall for anything and so being involved means adhering to that wisdom if my child grows up and and doesn't really take a stance on anything at all then they can then they're susceptible and I'm, i am as a parent leaving them more susceptible to fall for for anything there's the example aspect right that that kids follow your example not your instruction so if you do happen to be in a in a stable or as close to stable of a of a romantic relationship of any of any kind like i said two moms and two dads included right stuff like that included then being a good example of what romantic love can blossom into of what um compassion and understanding and healthy disagreement can turn into for them later so like being an example of cleaning your room and making your bed in the morning and washing your clothes and washing the dishes and and doing things that that are mundane and routine and boring but are important for a healthy lifestyle and a healthy environment and then also maybe if it's possible for you being an example of being in a community knowing knowing the other parents in the neighborhood and talking with them and knowing whose kids your child is hanging out with and what their habits are to to a degree where you're not being intrusive but you just you know you're you're able to observe at the playground for instance you know stuff like that so being the example being involved means means all of that you know reading to them stuff stuff that is good you know <laughs> bring about a a good inclusive you know healthy society yeah one one last thing seeing things that you don't agree with and being able to articulate your own thinking about your own thinking right yeah. because yeah. a lot of people they'll they'll be around their kids and let's say the news will be on and all they're doing is screaming at the TV. They're screaming in disagreement with what's going on or in agreement with the disagreement that's going on on the television. And that's not a good example of being able to articulate I disagree with something and here's my yeah. you know, here's my reason why and then maybe having a conversation with them about something they have no idea what you're talking about, but it's an example of how to disagree or how to be civil, if if you will. Sure, and about understanding coaches. Sometimes we talk about our map of the world, like we have our own map of the world, but that applies to every individual on planet Earth as well. And standing back and respecting, because that makes sense in your map of the world, it might not in someone else's. But yeah. being healthy and having that healthy discussion instead of that fighting and that war. I have enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think it's a wrap, but I really could go on for hours speaking to you. But one thing, what message would you like to leave our listeners with? I'll tell you what love is to me. Love is the coming together of true understanding and joy. When I say joy, I mean joy as a way of life, a choice, and sometimes a feeling. The feeling is not reliable. The way of life is only sometimes reliable, but the choice is 100% reliable. So joy, the choice, life, the, the, the way, way of life and the feeling combined is what I mean by joy. And what I mean by true understanding is understanding that is beyond words. So either understanding that you don't understand 
or understanding that you do understand but you don't know why and understanding that you do understand and you do know why so so true understanding and joy that meeting place is love and so that goes beyond just romantic love although it includes it it goes beyond just religious or spiritual love but it includes it, it goes beyond just material and success-based love but it but it includes it um and all things in between so my message is choose love love that i love the way you you explained that as well i think listeners will get real value this whole conversation and that as well if listeners want to get in contact with you Saul, how can they do that First of all, I really would love if you guys checked out the Expression of Love podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube. The YouTube channel is my name, Soul Expression, S-O-L-X-P-R-S-N, uh, with a space in the middle, S-O-L space, X-P-R-S-N. And other than that, my wife and I uh, run a company called Ufulu Child. Ufulu means freedom in an African language. And uh, ufuluchild.com, so U-F-U-L-U-Child.com. Um, and you can reach me in, in a myriad of ways. There's an expression of love Instagram page. Um, and I'm sure my links will be in the description of this video. Um, so yeah, holla at me. I would love to talk to any of you guys on, on my show. And I would love to also have you come on, come on my show. And I would um, love to be on your show. And I'll definitely make sure that all your links are in the description so that people can get in touch with you. And thank you so much again. And I would like to also thank the listeners. Check in next Monday for the next episode of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+. Thank you.